0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for um, not just your, your provision in our lives. Uh, I pray over Dwayne and take missions and over every missionary and missions agency, Lord, that is trying right now to navigate what's going on in the world. And I pray for wisdom and direction. And I pray that coming out of this uh, pandemic, Lord, that it will be a time of revival. That you would uh, uh, somehow, Lord, turn into this for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, uh, hey, uh, we are going to play something today. We're bringing the kids into the service. So, to keep them engaged, we're doing something called Sermon Bingo. Uh, <laughs> If you want to play Sermon Bingo, we actually have some extra cards. If it helps you stay engaged, so just raise your hand, and i put one uh, in your hand. Uh, but today is our first family worship Sunday, so it might be a little louder than normal. Uh, my kids are in here, so I expect that. Uh, after service, uh, Jen and Dan over here and have prepared some snacks for us just to, to fellowship together. So right after service, uh, out here in the cafe area, we'll have some snacks for you. Um, I think that's it. Oh, the one rule of Sermon Bingo is uh, whatever kid wins Sermon Bingo, uh, everyone will get a prize, but whoever wins, you don't shout Bingo, you shout Amen, and then you come <laughs> up and will give you a Hershey bar. Does that sound good? <laughs> now more people are, are playing. We'll be in our announcement, something I'm really excited about. Uh, in July, we are doing something that's my favorite thing that we do as a church family, uh, and that's baptisms in the Allegheny River. Uh, so if you've never been baptized, uh, seven weeks from today, uh, we've never lost anyone. Like, we always come back. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's my favorite time of year. The way that we do this as a church family is we make it a family celebration. So we have a Sunday service that everybody goes over to the Silver area in Oil City, Uh, There's a lot there that someone lets us use with a a, a covered uh, area. We have a potluck. We have cake. Uh, We we make it a celebration as a family. We have photographers or paid photographers. So uh, if you want to get baptized, um, just talk to me or talk to Emily. We'll sign you up. Uh, if, If you don't, just come out and celebrate with us, all right? All right, today we are uh, wrapping up a series it's called In Conclusion. In this series, we looked at how Peter wrapped up his letter to the persecuted church. We looked at how Paul wrapped up uh, Ephesians by talking about the armor of God. And last week, we talked about how Jesus wrapped up his own ministry with the great commission. But first, he said, but wait on the Holy Spirit and go out in the power of the Spirit and be my witnesses. And today we're going to wrap up this series by looking at the book of Romans. Uh, We're going to do something a little bit different this morning uh, because we're not just looking at the uh, conclusion, we're looking at the uh, introduction as well because Paul introduces and concludes the book of Romans uh, in a very similar way and in fact We could do this with any one of Paul's letters. Paul actually introduces and concludes every letter that he writes. uh, Not in just a similar way, but actually the exact same way. So we'll look at that this morning, specifically in the book of Romans. So in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it's like more people taking notes than ever this morning. (laughs) Verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, down to verse 7, to all who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace to you. Uh, Recorded in Scripture, we have 13 letters that Paul wrote, and 13 times he begins every single letter. Grace and peace to you. If you're taking notes, write that down. Grace and peace to you. Now, when I graduated high school, well, I actually went straight to the Air Force just a few weeks later. Uh, so it wasn't until I was about 24 years old that I began applying for, for colleges I those coming out of the Air Force. Uh, when I was applying for college, I don't know how it works today, but what I would do is you would submit an application and you would wait for a letter to come back to you in the mail. That letter would tell you whether or not you're accepted. Uh, I figure today it's probably not a letter anymore. It's probably like a text message with a smiling face means you're in, and a frowning face means you no. Know, something like that. <laughs> but uh, for me, it was a letter in the mail. And in my case, I applied to this college. I said, "Will you please let me come and pay you tens of thousands of dollars to have you? And I guess I got lucky because they said, "Yes, you can help pay us tens of thousands of dollars." <laughs> But when you get that letter in the mail, it's kind of an exciting moment. Uh, it is a significant moment in your life. You rip it open, and you kind of just skim the pages. And, and really, you're just looking for the word congratulations. Uh, you're not concerned with every word in the letter. You're just kind of looking for that one word. And even though it's a highly significant letter, a very important letter, uh, in the moment, some of it's just kind of irrelevant. It's important for us this morning to recognize that when Paul wrote a letter, no one who received the letter was skimming down looking for the heart of the letter. When Paul wrote a letter to a church, every single word of that letter carried weight. Every single word was written with purpose, written with intention. Uh, Paul, remember, was writing to churches who were walking in a brand new faith. Uh, Some of them were facing persecution. Some of them were facing uh, just internal division. Some of them were facing uh, just doctrinal questions. So when Paul wrote a letter, he was giving them encouragement and wisdom, sometimes correction, and he was giving them doctrine. Uh, they, They took every word that he wrote to heart. And among those words to the church in Rome was a very simple phrase, but with a lot of purpose, grace and peace. Grace and peace uh, were chosen specifically because uh, this would have kind of widened his his audience. Uh, Grace to you was the common Greek greeting. Peace to you was the common Jewish greeting, uh, shalom. So what Paul was doing is he was bringing these audiences together under one greeting, and he was saying, this greeting is not from me. I'm not wishing you grace and peace, but actually it is grace and peace from God. That's the significance of what Paul is saying here. This grace and this peace that I speak of is from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. To Paul, this was not an irrelevant introduction. This was intended to be the foundation to the rest of his letter. And in fact, specifically in the book of Romans... When Paul introduces his letter with these words, grace and peace to you, it was actually methodical. It was very strategical. I want to show you that because uh, Paul wishes them grace and peace. And then what Paul does is he begins to follow that up by laying out our need for peace and and the existence or for grace and the existence of grace. Uh, How do we find grace? What are the results of grace? Now to Paul, understanding the grace of God began with understanding that we need the grace of God. Uh, It's actually kind of funny to me to read the book of Romans because Paul did not make any effort to spare anyone's feelings. Uh, He wasn't tactful or uh, worried about stepping on toes. Uh, In fact, if you read Romans, uh, Paul, he's nice and gentle at first. He says... Uh, grace and peace to you, uh, I thank God for you. He says, I remember you often, and I long to see you. And then in verse 18, with no transition, he just says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness. Uh, there's this practice, I, don't, I hope you've never had to do it, but uh, if you get really angry with someone, they tell you to write them a letter. And don't hold anything back, but don't send them the letter. It seems like Paul wrote that angry letter and then just sent it on its way. <laughs> because Paul is kind of just letting the people have it. He, he's telling them uh, that humanity has become more and more godless and more and more, and more wicked. He, he's telling them how from the time of creation, uh, humanity or God has been made plain to humanity if they choose time and time again to consistently walk away from God. Uh, He gets to just uh, verse 29 in Romans. I have this on the screen. And he's still just kind of letting into them. He says, "Uh, people have become filled with every kind of wickedness, uh, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. And I thought I would highlight this next part. He says uh, they disobey their parents. And I love that Paul groups that in with wickedness, evil, and murder. (laughs) Uh, They have no understanding of, uh, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And Paul goes on to say not only are people acting in this way, but they're giving approval to everyone who acts in this way. And you say, yeah, but Paul's not really talking to the church there. No, Paul Paul lets the church have it, too. Uh, beginning in verse 2, he says, And you, in Rome, in the church in Rome, you're casting judgment on people who do this. Others of you are casting judgment, and you're also practicing these things. He says, Others of you, uh, maybe you're living a good life, but you're upset with God for not ridding the earth of these people. And he says, When you have contempt in that way, your contempt is not for those people. Your contempt is actually against the kindness and the grace of God, which is meant to lead them to repentance. Now, uh, this begs the question of why is Paul doing this? Uh, Does Paul just have this pent-up aggression that he just needed to let loose, and he's just letting it loose in in the, the letter here? Actually, what Paul is doing Is strategy what Paul is doing is he is establishing undeniably that we need the grace of God and he's just going through all humanity through the church through the unbeliever and establishing we need God's grace Uh, he's not even done he turns to the Jewish audience uh, many of whom uh, felt that it was still their righteousness or their own righteousness that uh, earned them God's favor. And he lays out how uh, attempts to earn right standing with God through our own works uh, have failed throughout history. The Hebrews says that uh, there was a problem uh, with the law, but actually the problem wasn't with the law, it was with our inability to keep God's law consistently. Uh, nevertheless, there was a problem And Paul writes in Romans 3.20 that uh, it had become evident at this point that no one would be considered righteous by the works of of the law. Now at this point, Paul has spoken to non-believers, he's spoken to believers in the church in Rome, he has spoken to the Jewish people, and he's spoken to Gentiles. He has explained how Humanity has never been able to earn right standing with God on our own. And everything that Paul has written to this point is actually laying a foundation for something that he wants to say in verse 22 and 23. Paul wants to say something beginning in 322 that you would find undeniable because he has just proven it to this point. In verse 22 of chapter 3, he says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. In other words, it doesn't make a difference who you are. He says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And What Paul is doing is Paul is showing us the undeniable, universal need for the grace of God. Paul is showing us in a way that cannot be denied that everyone needs The grace of God. But what happens in the next verse is this monumental transition. He had just said in verse 23 that everyone has sinned, and then he moves into verse 24 and he says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes, I can't tell if you'll say one or not, I'm trying to listen here. Sometimes we get lost in these big words, so uh, I want to just kind of take that verse and I want to translate it. This isn't an English translation. This is just Amen. using the... Oh. Hey! Oh, We're going to take a break. you got to come up and sing in front of everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> you could have to come up and grab this. All right. And yeah, this is America, so everybody has to get a participation prize. So, uh, good job, right? Huh? Uh, so we do have other uh, candy for everyone who participates. Jonah, did you help them? I always... Okay. I think I was in a little sermon here. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody remember what I said last? We get lost in these big words, so uh, if, this is just using the Greek dictionary and those original words. What Paul is writing is all are legally declared innocent. That's what that word justified means. All have sinned, but all are declared innocent freely by God's grace through the payment, that's the word for redemption, through the payment that came through Jesus Christ. So what he has just transitioned into here is he's gone from the universal need of grace And now he's transitioned into the existing reality of God's grace. So Paul has established two things. Everybody needs grace, and everybody can have grace. So then there's only one question. really: If Paul has shown us that we need it, and Paul has shown us that we can have it, then the question is, how do we take hold of the grace of God? Because the tendency of the other church was to bring works back into the picture. Even with the grace of God, they would just add their own righteousness uh, to the picture. So Paul specifies, he says, it is apart from the law. It is apart from your works. It is apart from what you can do. Uh, It's in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Paul writes, it is apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been made known. In other words, right standing with God has been achieved. Apart from the law. This righteousness, this right standing is given. Somebody say given. (coughs) It is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So Paul has shown us now that we all have the need for grace. Paul has shown us now that grace has come. And now Paul is showing us how to access grace simply through placing your faith in Jesus Christ. We have the need, we have the arrival of grace, we have the means of attaining grace. There's one more thing that Paul wants to show us, and that's, what are the results of God's grace? And we skip down to chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, since we have been justified through faith. Remember, that's Paul's definition of what grace is. Justification through faith. Since we have been justified through our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we put the next verse on there, the next verse says "And now we stand in his grace. So Paul, if you remember back when we started, Paul starts all of this with a very simple introduction. Grace and peace to you. Paul was laying the foundation to get to this point. Grace and peace to you. And then he just goes on with the need of grace. of God's grace, which are peace with God. Again, how do we obtain peace with God? Simply through faith. Simply through faith. Now, peace in our world today, I don't know if you recognize this, it's a pretty rare commodity. Now, people search for peace in financial security. Uh, We search for our own peace in government, as political leaders. Uh, Some search for peace in drugs and alcohol, believing if I can just numb my feelings to the world, uh, then, then that will be my peace. If you anchor your peace to anything other than the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ, it can be snatched from you at any moment. If your peace is found in your finances, Wall Street can fall Our, our peace is secure. Our peace is anchored. No matter what comes, church, nobody can put his body back in the tomb. Nobody can take away the cross. Nobody can take away the resurrection. If your peace is founded and grounded and rooted and anchored in the person of Jesus Christ, it cannot be taken away from you. Now, peace is so valuable in a world of chaos and anxiety and and worry, But I don't think that's actually the peace that Paul is referring to here, at least not solely what he is referring to. Because what Paul is talking about is not just peace, but it's our peace with God. Peace between us and God used to be dependent on our actions. Uh, There's a verse that you're probably, probably familiar with in Deuteronomy. It says, uh, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. And it goes on to say, blessings if you obey, curse if you don't. You're blessed if you obey, you're cursed if you disobey. And that's kind of how the favor of God worked in the Old Testament. If you walked in perfection before God, you had the favor of God. But when you started walking uh, outside of the perfection, you lost all favor and peace with God. But what happens in the New Testament is through grace and faith in Jesus Christ, your peace with God is no longer grounded in how you did this week. You know, I said a cuss word this week. I have no peace with God. That would be like a roller coaster of peace with God. But what Paul is saying is your peace is is now rooted and grounded in the work of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God who gave His life for you on the cross, that He rose from the grave, that He is your Lord and Savior, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with God, and it is based on peace. You have peace with God. I actually want you to do something this morning. I want you to close your eyes. if you believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to just think for a moment and let it sink into your heart that you are at peace with God. If you have a little muscle called faith, you are at peace with God. Now you can open your eyes. Uh, we introduced the book of Romans with grace and peace to you and we showed the need for peace. We showed the arrival of peace. We showed how you find that peace. We showed the results of peace. But this message a series is called In Conclusion. And I told you, the conclusion here in Romans well, mirrors the introduction. So we get to chapter 16, verse 20. And Paul returns again to grace and peace. And he says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Paul begins his letter and Paul ends his letter on the subject of grace. Paul begins every single letter that he writes and ends every single letter that he writes on the subject of grace. And everything in between is sandwiched between grace. Because everything in between should be read from the context of God's grace. If Paul was correcting someone... First, he told them about God's grace. And at the end, he reminded them of God's grace. Uh, If Paul was encouraging someone, or or if he was just giving them doctrine, he began in a place of grace, and he brought them back to a place of uh, grace. Paul wants to make sure that everything begins and ends with the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Renee, if you would go ahead and uh, come. In the book of Lamentations there's a passage that this reminds me of that just says your mercies are new every morning of the grace of God through faith license to continue in sin. It's a misunderstanding of the grace of God. But what the grace of God says is that if you go out these doors and you mess up, that doesn't take you out of the right standing of God. Amen. And if you go out of these doors and you do everything right, that's not what earns you right standing for God. Your right standing your favor with God has already been paid for you have it based on a simple act of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I encourage you to stick around with us for a few minutes to have snacks. Uh, and I want to let you know that we're going to be on vacation next week, so Emily and I won't be here. We might send the kids just. So week. <laughs> <laughs> but Pastor Chris Clark is going to be here word. word. He's way better than me, so make sure that you're here with uh, me. Lord, I pray you go with us your grace and your peace, Lord. Use us in mighty ways for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody one <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.